Okay, it looks like we're recording. Hey, this is Aaron Carson with Roleplaying Public Radio, and uh, we are doing an interview today, a little newer for me. Um, I am having the pleasure to uh, interview uh, Jeff C. Carter and Edward M. uh, Elderatlock. Is I'm pronouncing that correctly? The Erdelak. Erdelak. Okay, so um, we will provide full details for the uh, both these authors in our description of this. Uh, but they are coming to us with a really interesting setting for a game uh, called Mecha West. Uh, now, this is based on a current uh, giant robot system, correct? That's correct. Uh, Mecha from Heroic Journey Publishing. Okay, and um, I will actually say, I know you said you weren't really much of the details for the mechanics, um, but can you give a brief detail about how this would probably differ from a lot of other mech systems? Because my uh, my past experience with a lot of these has been kind of with, uh, ages ago, with like Mechton Zeta, and despite me loving doing all that, I found it to be really complicated or, or horrible to try to bring other people in who didn't know the system as well. Um, one of the things that <clears throat> Chris kind of told us off the bat Maybe Chris Perrin, he was the designer of the original Mecha, <laughs> is um, he used to love getting really crunchy and granular with the details uh, on how much like each mech weighed and, and their loadout and stuff like that. But when he set out to design Mecha, he wanted to capture the feel of anime. And so he wanted sort of faster, uh, more high-flying adventure and not uh, pouring over... Um, you know, charts and, and rules tables. So this is meant to be a little more uh, story motivated and uh, with sort of simpler mechanics to get people up and playing more quickly. I think a little bit more like Robotech and a little bit less Battletech. You know, not so much heat sinks and all that, but, you know. But just with a lot of more dynamic robots to fly around with instead of having to get ground down into the details of it. So, yeah, um, yeah I read just a little bit of it. That was really fascinating. Um, one of the things I, I thought was actually pretty cool was um, the link system uh, that came into being where you actually would uh, combine your stats with your mech to make it a more, uh, uh, at least a more challenging fight, I guess, or an interesting when you're going up against opponents. That's right. It allows uh, each person to characterize their own style of play. But in our game, Mecha West, you can link your stats with a horse. Yes, <laughs> I saw that as well. Um, which I like how you put that, uh, not to get too ahead of uh, myself, but uh, you also kind of related that with the whole setting that your mech is also kind of like your horse too, and or, or uh, taking care of your equipment too to give it that more personal feel. And sometimes you link stats with the gorilla. So, okay, that's an, uh, I'm <laughs> so I, I didn't realize we were getting full on gorillas in here as well. Um, with that, uh, but yeah, kind of on that note, um, tell us about the whole setting from this because um, I guess this is for like a full alternate setting. Uh, from what you said, it was going back to the Napoleonic Wars is when mechs first really ap- appeared on this earth. That's right. Um, When we were kind of doing research for the timeline, uh, we looked at automatons and clockwork and stuff like that. And uh, we saw that going back um, to ancient Greece, actually, people have been making really sophisticated automatons and clockwork machines. Um, But then we also knew that um, while clockwork might be impressive, it wouldn't really uh, hold up to the grit and the strain of the uh, Wild West. So that's when the uh, steam engines got involved and hardened steel, and then we have our steampunk 
mechanized machines. Yeah, we, we kind of used it uh, that it's sort of an alternate history where uh, technology diverged, uh, starting with Robert Fulton, who developed like the steam engine, like the you know, yeah. steam chips and stuff like that. And it's kind of like uh, he took these Napoleonic War era throwback uh, clockwork mechs that people were still using. It was kind of like a, like a, a sophisticates kind of weapon, like a like a like a knight on the field or something. You know, it's kind of like yeah, it would be for more gentleman dueling. Right, then. Exactly, exactly. Like an aristocratic kind of thing that gentlemen duelers would have and stuff. And then he kind of like broadened it to uh, this, you know, kind of more common steam engine thing. And then uh, it was uh, the history diverges where Robert Fulton creates these giant mechs, and then Sam Colt uh, comes up with like mega sized revolvers to arm these things and everything. And uh, it, it kind of like throws the Mexican Revolution off and it starts like the Civil War early and all kinds of stuff. And and then so we kind of like go from there to the front. We skip ahead to the frontier. And and, uh, you know, you've got uh, the cavalry's now armed with like, you know, giant blue and gold mechs with, you know, massive sabers and all this kind of thing. And and, uh, you know, cows are being herded with uh, turkey walkers. And and, uh, and then the, the Indians are kind of like uh, the, the Native American uh, tribes form a confederacy uh, to resist like westward expansion by these steam engine, you know, invaders. Uh, and so they, they come up with, uh, I think it's Geronimo and uh, a command um, chief, uh, Quanta Parker, come up with this confederacy, this way of dealing with uh, mechs where they swarm over them. And, you know, it's it's a bit like the Ewoks versus the uh, the Adats and stuff, you know? <laughs> Stars for the latter half. So exactly, yeah. um, with all these awesome ways to take them down and everything, so... So, and uh, I, I was going to ask, what probably first ins- would inspire you to kind of do this type of history? Because um, usually I haven't seen a lot of mechs, at least steampunk mechs, probably in this era, uh, for this era recently. Um, the last I remember big thing coming to the screen, unfortunately, was like back in the 90s with Wild Wild West. Yeah, and of course, we all know how well that went over, unfortunately. So, but what kind of inspired you to kind of bring this back in, into focus again? There really wasn't a question. Uh, it <laughs> came to me and said, hey, uh, they're doing supplements for Mecca. Uh, do you want to do some world building? And I said, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you know Ed, um, you know that he likes Westerns. Yeah, I'm just like a Western fiend. I do, I write a lot of, uh, I do fiction writing mostly, and I've done like a weird Western series and I've got a couple books out and stuff. Uh, Merkaba Rider is my big one. It's like a Jewish, uh, Judeo-centric, Lovecraftian, weird Western series and all this. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like known among my peers as like the weird Western guy. So, uh, yeah, I was just I, I just saw Mecca's and the first thing I thought was Mecca's in the West, you know. So, like, it <laughs> went from there, basically. Okay. No, I, I absolutely love the enthusiasm to come from there. And, um also, uh, yeah, because I would love, I love the option that it's kind of coming back because steampunk itself kind of, I guess, went through its hipsterish phase, unfortunately, for a very long time, and it seems to be coming back into vogue for at least decent storytelling. Um, but in the setting too, kind of moving forward, how do would how did the uh, stage of the Civil War, because you mentioned this a little bit, really change with the introduction of these devices? Uh, the Civil War was uh, kind of set off, if you know the history, by uh, the abolitionist John Brown. I kind of I kind of mm-hmm. uh, focus on. Uh, he was this uh, Calvinist preacher who uh, um, was active in the border wars between Kansas and Missouri, and then. Uh, uh, in the years leading up to the war, like 1859 or something, he tried to seize a federal army armory in uh, Harpers Ferry, Virginia, 
Virginia, and uh, gain he, his his objective was to take Frederick Douglass and set him up as president of an independent like free black state, and uh, yep, yep. free all the slaves in the South and march through the South and just kind of free the slaves and, and take them to the I think it was the Alleghenies or something. And uh, so the way we diverged it was he was successful in history. He was uh, you know he was captured and executed and all this and and the it caused a rift in public opinion between the North and the South that started the Civil War. But in our yeah. in our history, he's successful and Frederick Douglass goes with him and Frederick Douglass does become the you know leader of an independent like African American nation of freed slaves in the in the Allegheny Mountains and stuff and. So it's kind of like uh, the South tries to invade and the North tries to defend them, and it just sets the Civil War off like a lot earlier, basically. Okay. So, and did you also have it where um, were the oh, did like Frederick's group have a significant role within playing during the Civil War, um, or were they considered more like a guerrilla movement during this time? Uh, they actually they pulled back and just carved out a state for themselves and for, fortified up there. Kind yeah. Of, you know? <clears throat> They were in the mountains, Taking. and it took the army's mecca, the 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 south the southern army's mecca, because in the real world they got a bunch of muskets, and then they got overrun. Um, yeah. In our world, instead of muskets, they got mecca, and that actually allowed them to go into the mountains and hold that off and create uh, an independent state for themselves. So, um, a lot. Of, so history is kind of similar. But just like how Mecca are bigger and badder and more destructive, all the conflicts that we saw in this period are bigger, badder, and more destructive. The North still wins the Civil War, but it's awful. It's it's really uh, a slaughter. And then just like in real in the real world, the guys that uh, were the kind of dispossessed guys that drift west to the frontier are bringing all their skills that they learned in the war, and you know. They're beat up old meccas and stuff, and and it's kind of like a, you know, imagine the outlaw Josie Wales drifting west, but in a giant robot, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but that actually kind of brings up another question that I was interested in, um, is that for most of the fighters that are here, um, are they going to be primarily people who were refurbishing older units from the war now that are most of them not made and they're just kind of upkeeping them? Or are there a lot of newer models still coming out but at greater cost or much more rare? Uh, there's different models. Uh, there's there's mining mecha because you know as they're taming the West and they're creating railroads, uh, they're digging mines, they're creating new towns and settlements – and they have these amazing construction vehicles. So you have these boxy mining mecha that you know are industrial, but some people can fight in them. You've got the old um, Civil War mecha, the cavalry and artillery units. Um, some people even have the old-fashioned antiquated clockwork mecha that the European gentry used. Oh, and oh, oh. they're really fast but really fragile. Um, and then you have, you know, more workaday, um, you know, wooden, wood and bailing wire, uh, hooked up to a steam engine stuff like the turkey walkers that cowboys use, you know, when they're, um, bringing the herds in and patrolling, you know, their, uh, land, which is basically like, uh, an open air, you know, pod that you're riding, uh, you're just riding a straddle with two kind of like ATSD legs. And it's got like a barbed wire thrower and a, you know, a, a, or a barbed wire layer and a, like a lasso thrower and stuff like that. And it's really used for herding cattle. 
But the guys something, who, yeah, something that would just be cheap and quick to get out there. Right, yeah. right. But then there's engineers who, like, you know, outfit their stuff and gunslingers who kind of, like, modify their stuff with what they capture. And, and then the cavalry is, is, in the meanwhile, like, kind of at the forefront of American meccas. So, like, you know, the, the, the equivalent of, like, a repeating rifle is on a, you know, this blue and gold cavalry mecca and everything. So yeah, and then uh, we, as I do see that off of the uh, opening art that you have for that, and we will put that up on our on the site for yeah. this particular episode. So, uh, which I love because I yeah I see one of those the blue and cold ones, which one that kind of looks like a cricket. So yeah, almost which yeah. and it's not, uh, they stopped making Mecca. It's just that the army's new job is westward expansion. Uh, and they're fighting the Indian Wars now. So, like, there are still Mecca being made and deployed to the Western territories. Okay. okay. You should so, so about the grass, that grasshopper Mecca you mentioned, though. The grasshopper Mecca you mentioned is uh, part of the, uh, the, the Chinese. Uh, the Chinese is the Freedmen Society um, has this. They kind of had this coup in this in this alternate history where. Um, you know, the, the Chinese laborers were drawn to the mountain of gold and all this and, and building re- railways and all this. But then these triad barons, like, were able to seize some of these mines and everything and create independent Chinese states within the frontier. And they defend them with these, like, insanely fast and, like, uh, you know, maneuverable mechas that we call grasshopper mechas. Kind of like a, a throwback to Kung Fu and everything, the old TV show. Oh. <laughs> um, one of the things that... Uh, you know, Chris Perrin really wanted for his game was anime action. You know, he will repeatedly reference high flying robots firing dozens of missiles. <laughs> and and we're looking at like, you know, steam engines, uh, pig iron, yeah. um, you know, you know uh, dust in the streets. And we're like, uh, yeah, th- <laughs> this is like almost real technology and you're not going to be jumping in one of these giant, you know, 50 ton machines. Um, so as, as way of compromise, we brought in the, uh, Chinese, uh, Friedman society and they have these next level Mecca based on the secrets of hundreds of years of, you know, technology in China where they're made out of wood and lacquer and they're booby trapped and they're fully exotic and you will be flipping around uh, with flamethrowers and shooting missiles. Um, but, you know, you almost never see them. And if you see them, you almost never survive. Yeah, imagine these things just like swarms of locusts around like a mountain you know, or like, a, like an independent mine. And if the, the, cal- the cavalry is fighting this war against the Indians, they're also fighting against the Chinese Freedmen Society trying to take back this land that they've like taken from them and stuff. So in that case, it would be a lot of just numbers versus brute strength, I guess, uh, that they could just completely swarm over you on that. No, that's I love that. That's a wonderful way to kind of get around that, too, Uh, especially with. Yeah, you're dealing with um, the slower, uh, the slower uh, mechs and also the issues of probably just trying to get materials for them or resupplying them on a regular basis. Yeah. So that would be even worse. Um, but yeah, kind of bringing up the Chinese too, um, it, it sounds like the U.S. just from and now that in post-Reconstruction is much more fragmented because you talked about um, – that's like the Freedmen's uh, with the Chinese and then Frederick Douglass's state as well um, – is. Uh, are they just more fractured with most of the well, with most of the uh, countries that are around us now? Uh, 
yeah, I mean, if if uh, God made man and uh, what, Winchester made the equal, yeah, Sam Colt made the equal. <laughs> um, the Mecca made people, uh, you know, made uh, large groups equal. Um, so this technology is sort of a force multiplier, and you can only push a group so far before they get their hands on some mecha, and that's the little pivot point where our history starts to become alternate history. And so the Chinese laborers were so poorly abused uh, when building the railroads and the mines that they said, all right, enough is enough. We built all these railroads and mines. We think we're going to keep them. Thank you. And so they would carve off their own territory. Um, and this, you know, same thing happened with New Africa. Yeah, uh, which is this, the independent African state that we have. So, and, uh, no, then, yeah, and that sounds uh, just, yeah, it can be really wonderful and also frightening, too, for those who, the generals of the United States trying to at least hold on to what they have. Um, and you also mentioned, since this is also post-reconstruction, we're full into the Wild West and uh, the Indian conflicts. Um, what kind of became of the Native people that were kind of probably caught in the middle of this? Well, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest disruptions to uh, their territory and their way of life was just the steam train. And uh, you had uh, hunters on trains just shooting buffalo to try to deprive the natives of their food source. Um, now imagine this with free roaming Mecca and, you know, mounted cannons and Gatling guns. So, like I said, everything is bigger bloodier and more horrific um but it still kind of goes down the same way but this being mecca west um we wanted every individual demographic uh to have their own uh magnified response yeah so uh, we basically what we did was we took we looked at the era and took the most uh the two most mobile and kind of uh successful resistance, uh, Indian resistance movements, which were uh, the Comanche and the Apache. Mm -hmm. And we said, if these, what if these two, like the greatest leaders of these two bands kind of got together and said, let's find a way to fight these guys and formed a confederacy. And uh, so basically, I said the Apache guerrillas and the uh, Comanche cavalry kind of get together to form this, uh, this fighting unit called the Iron Killer Society. That uh, yeah, basically trains to take down mechas, you know, in any way they can, with kind of like you know pit traps and uh, uh, you know swarming over mechas to get to the pilot and everything, and and they kind of reject uh, they, as as like a holy whatever they reject um, using utilizing mechas, but they you know are kind of uh, uh, they're kind of like a Cheyenne like uh, dog soldiers, like an elite unit of, within the Native American like military force that's dedicated to just taking down these like giant steel, like, you know, vehicles for, for taking down most of, uh, most of them. And, um, are, would you say that probably because of the, the way this went, most of the various tribes, uh, probably became more solidified to, uh, to each other or were they even more spread apart because of this? Uh, there's just, there's so many different tribes and they all have their own customs, their own languages, um, their own cultures. And we didn't want the native people to be a monolithic thing like, oh, you see an Indian, you fight an Indian, you play as an Indian. 
Um, there's a lot of information in MechaWest about individual tribes, uh, how to describe them, some of their leaders. Um, some There are uh, Native people that have no problem using Mecha. So if you just want to be a Mecha pilot or a, a Mecha gunslinger, you know, you can absolutely be from one of the tribes. Um, there's just particular factions that are anti-Mecha or the Iron Killer Society that is this elite force of Mecha hunters. Okay. Um, yeah, and I did see that when I was going through there that you did wonderful detailing with different uh, all sorts of different ones, other than the Apache, uh, the Lakota, the Comanche, and so on and so forth too, um, which I love because that just gives it an even more richer feeling than kind of having to regress back to. I guess would be oh, oh you're right that horrible image of just like the lone Native American that came out of the fifth the fifty westerns that uh, back in the day. Um, the one guy with the feathered bonnet and the tear and all that you know like we we wanted to, yeah. like you know kind of break it down into all the tribe as many of the tribes as we could you know truly represent like there there were Cherokee Indians and in the five civilized tribes like the Creek and the and the Cherokee that that actually fought on the fight side of the South in the civil war. So we wanted to like include that as well. You know, um, okay. when we first put out the, the cover of the game, <clears throat> someone was soliciting feedback and, uh, we were very painstakingly precise with our cover artist about the different, uh, clothing and different tactics that the different tribes use. And if you look on the cover, you'll see that some people are wearing cotton, some people are wearing uh, deer skins, some people are, uh, you know, uh, riding horses, um, you know, uh, bare-chested. Some people have headdresses, some people have war paint, some people use rifles, some people don't. Um, and so we were, you know, really trying to uh, dot our I's and cross our T's on this. And the first piece of feedback someone got, they're like, Oh, is this a game where you just go out and kill Indians? Yeah. You're <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh no. <laughs> the wrongest impression. No, no, no. The opposite of what we tried to do with this game. <laughs> oh, so well, and I will admit, at least to me, it looks the first thing I did not, I, I did not take that impression. I saw just again the the wonderful grasshopper barreling into the blue and gold cavalry <laughs> robot. So yeah. um but yeah, if nothing else, digging into it, you guys have put a lot of wonderful detail into that. Um although going into um kind of the next stage, which uh you talked about that people can there will be a lot of there's a lot of gunfighters or uh, steel slingers in here who will be in their own robot just kind of doing the uh, man with no name thing going from town to town. Uh, in that, um, how does law enforcement even handle that too? Because if you're, because uh, I know they'll probably have their own particular mechs, but it just seems like the escalation and the property damage would be immense after one of these fights if it really got out of hand. You're right. Uh, like I said, mecha make everything bigger, uh, more dangerous, and uh, more disastrous, and that's why it's fun. That's why yeah. we're gonna play Mecha West, but. Um, yeah, yeah, we have bank robbers, like, instead of just, you know, going in and holding up the teller, they rip the entire safe out and try to make off with it, you know? And, and then, like, the posse's, like, thundering across the plane after them and everything on these, you know, giant metal creatures, so. 
So would it be uh, – is there a lot of kind of uh, – what would I'm kind of interested in what would be the politics for kind of s- handling that on uh, – do you have for something like the local or the federal level? Because um, it, it would just be the general marshals or is there a like specialized uh, tasks, uh, a task force I guess that would be set out for these guys? There's not a specialized um, officer that handles mecha-related crimes. Uh, basically, um, you know, we have a character class or an archetype called Lawman, and that can be anything from sheriff to marshal to Texas Ranger, a Texas Ranger uh, to a um, uh, detective, uh, Pinkerton, and. Um, oh. They have their own specialized uh, model of uh, mecha that they can have, which is the Ranger mecha that um, you know covers a lot of territory and has a very big, very accurate uh, giant rifle. Um, and when you play as a lawman, because you have such a tough job, you get perks. Like you can commandeer other people's mecha. You can form a posse to go, you know, string people up. Um, so, you know, hopefully people won't just be banditos and gun, gunslingers. <laughs> hopefully some people will try playing as a uh, lawman because it's a pretty cool uh, character class. Okay. And uh, what other uh, archetypes and uh, in classes uh, do you uh, can all the players have in this game? Uh, well, of course, there's the soldier. Uh, who's got the dangerous job of, you know, patrolling this uh, westward expansion and dealing with incursions from different factions. Um, but in addition to the lawman, the, you know, there's gunslingers, there's cowboys, there's gamblers and engineers, there's outlaws and bounty hunters, there's iron killers, there's the renegade highbinders and the sons of John Henry. Um so we've got a lot of diversity um, and a lot of different, you know, um, social aspects that if you want to play a more social game or a more character driven game, you can have almost any situation uh, you can imagine. So you can actually kind of have the high minded political drama just with a giant robot sticking uh, defending you in the background as well. Absolutely. So awesome. Um, and I, we'd mentioned this before we started recording, um, but can you tell me a little more about the uh, Sons of John Henry? Uh, the Sons of John Henry uh, derived from uh, the Black Seminoles, which were um, back in like colonial Florida, uh, some African slaves would uh, escape to uh, the Indians, the Seminoles down there, and the Seminoles would adopt them into the tribe. And uh, as time went on and the, you know, the, Florida became part of the United States and everything. Um, the uh, African Indians down there became uh, Muscogo tribe or Black Seminoles, and uh, they kind of divert in, in our in our history. They kind of uh, they kind of made a name for themselves as being able to like take mechas apart. Like they would find they they could swarm up a mecca with like a hammer and find like the weak points and like knock the bolts out and take the arms off and stuff like that, like in record time. And, uh, basically, uh, the Muskogo wound up, um, in history or the Muskogee, uh, they wound up, uh, being employed by Mexico, uh, to, um, protect its border from Northern bandits and from Apaches, from American bandits and Apaches. And, uh, so in our, in our history that happened. 
happened, and they, they also, later on in the Indian Wars, get employed by the cavalry as scouts and everything. So they're kind of allied with the United States, but they're, okay. uh, they also have this Native and, and uh, African, you know, background. So they're kind of like a conflicted, almost. Uh, it's kind of like a Buffalo soldier, but uh, more of an independent Indian scout with, a, with an African uh, kind of flavor to them and everything. Okay. okay. So no, that's yeah, because I was really interested in coming from there, especially kind of given the, the name and the that, like I said, particular hatred that they might have had for just the the, the current mechs or technology that was out there. Yeah, um, and they're not like the Iron Killer Society, and that they abjure Mecca. They're actually oh, okay. very, very technically savvy, but they're uh, they're guerrilla fighters in that you know they have they know mecca so well that that it just comes okay that they'll just rip them apart um you know so they may drive mecca they may not but they have a special fighting style for sabotaging and destroying mecca that's different from the iron killer society which was okay, so just over centuries of like fighting these clockwork meccas in colonial florida and all that kind of stuff like it's it's like they have a they have a deeper tradition almost you know Okay, so basically, kind of the the elite engineers, so to speak. Then, yeah, right. From that, okay. Um, and uh, something else that I was also interested about, because going back to at least we're beginning the Civil War, um, how would certain people, the kind of the 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 famous and the heroes and the villains of that and Reconstruction, kind of fit into this alternate history? Did you focus on any any of the big ones, kind of like Grant or Lincoln or uh, Lee in, in particular? we kind of stayed away from using like uh, real people to kind of like, we didn't want to bog people down too much with the real history. You know, we wanted them to feel that this is still kind of a fantasy world. And uh, even though it's based in this, in this reality that they might have a, you know, a passing familiarity with, I wanted to, we wanted to like expand it a little, expand their knowledge a little bit, but not uh, make people feel they were beholden to like events, you know? Okay. Yeah. They did a, um, uh, uh, test game at uh one of the cons and um you know instead of worrying about um pioneers and uh covered wagons they just jump straight to time travel and uh alien invasions and that's fine you know if you want to use mecca west to time travel by all means um it's not homework it's not a history book uh it's alternate history so the more you know about history, maybe uh, you can incorporate the, those yeah, things. Surely, the more yeah. satisfaction you'll get out of some of the details. But you know, don't worry if Lincoln was actually in this place doing this thing at the <laughs> yeah. time. At the same time. Right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I was kind of interested if, if if you were yeah taking it to the term to actually incorporate it into your full mythology, or just be like um, say uh, as an example, like Man in the High Castle. Uh, for their alternate version after World War II, or just giving it the the general sense, like yeah, these people existed and things kind of occurred as they did. Yeah, so we mentioned like a few. I said we mentioned Frederick Douglass and John Brown, but I mean, uh, I, w- I wanted to leave it free to the game master to develop in any way they wanted. You know, uh, Mecca West is more of a template than like, you know, we want you to feel free to create your own things. You know, in it as well. Okay. okay. And um, kind of going back also to the Western uh, front, were there any particular shows or novels that kind of helped even to inspire uh, some of the other settings that you put in here? Yeah, a ton. Like we, some of the adventures we developed were like based on, uh, you know, like the we did one that's kind of based on the Magnificent Seven, and we did you know 
There's a lot the, of spaghetti western stuff. There's the 310 to Mecca. 310 to Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot of movies. And, and I mean, I'm like a huge western buff, like going back to, you know, Zane Gray and Louis L'Amour and, and uh, you know, Larry McMurtry and stuff like that. So, yeah, Lonesome Mecca is actually a beautiful. That's a good name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of hot oh. thing in that one. <laughs> oh yeah, just uh, we need to get Sam Neil on that now. <laughs> so yeah, that's we're, we're doing the Kickstarter so we can get some artists doing uh, Sam uh, Sam in a in a bodice. <laughs> <Sam and laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of brings me to the next point. Um, uh, so, are, is this going? Is this something that you are currently kickstarting, or is it just a full set that will be coming out sometime soon? Um, we've got the whole thing written, and uh, now we just need artwork. Um, like I said, there's a lot of character classes. There's a lot of different versions of Mecha. And there's a lot of cool situations. So we want to make sure that when you pick up this book, you, you get a feel for the robots and how everything works and all the different special customized enemies and, you know, boss monsters, for lack of a better word. Um, but, you know, it's a Western. So the atmosphere is really important. And I think the artwork is really going to make this live and breathe. Um, so for the most part, uh, we just need layout and artwork to, uh, complete this thing. So that's why the Kickstarter, um, if you go ahead and check it out, you'll see our goals and our different perks. And that's going on for like, well, as of this recording, another 28 days. Um, I don't know when this uh, podcast will drop, but please go check us out. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, as of this date, uh, which we will date this today as uh, January 31st, 2016, they currently have 31 days to go. So Excellent. off of that, and we will make sure that we link this in the description as well, so you can go then and get the money. Um, and uh, where can and uh, where can if anybody else is interested in this or the mech system, uh, where else can they go to find uh, more about the system itself? Um, they have all their stuff and uh, uh, even other games up on Drive Through RPG. Um, so if you really like anime, um, they've got something for you know every style of play. Yeah, Chris has like a. I think he has a high school like version of like Mecca or something. Yeah, <laughs> high school setting, like Mecca's in high school and stuff. Yeah, like everything I mean, you could think of. You could much. be, you know, a Mecca quarterback. Uh, you could be a Mecca prom queen, um, <laughs> or you could, you know, uh, be out in space um, doing the Robotech. Yeah, they uh, have like thing. a Robotech alien invasion kind of setting, and uh, just uh, he's very into like if if you can think of a Mecca, you know. A mecha anime he probably has it represented you know so yeah and that, that's actually one of the big reasons uh well i why well, when ross gave this to me i said like do you want this yes because one i am the giant robot nerd of our group okay. so uh i will i'm a huge one uh, i was actually going uh something i was going to mention to you kind of talking about the um kind of the baseline mechs that are used for more work and stuff. Uh, there's a new Gundam series out called Iron-Blooded Orphans, uh, where they actually do a focus on just like these little mechanical tanks that are used more for general labor than the big ones. The big gun Gundam sets are actually pretty rare. So, And that's almost something that kicked your, uh, my mind when I kind of saw what you were doing with that. Cool. 
So, um, but no, this absolutely looks wonderful. And uh, yeah, my money's going to this regardless. <laughs> so Thanks. to make sure you do that. Um, but yeah, no, thank you very much uh, for, com- uh, for call- uh, coming on here and talking to us about that. Uh, just again, we have uh, Jeff C. Carter uh, uh, and also Edward M. Uh, sorry, can you say your last name again? <laughs> I don't Ertelec. want to. Ertelec. Ertelec, so I just don't want to mangle that. Um, and I forgot to mention this before, but uh, Jeff has recent writing credits with Delta Green's anthology Extraordinary Renditions, uh, as well as several Lovecraftian pro sales in Tomorrow's Cthulhu, uh, Mythos Grimly, and uh, Apotheses. And Edward also has credits with the uh, number one selling Civil War horror novel Andersonville. Uh, as well as writing credits for Steampunk Cthulhu, Tales of Cthulhu Invictus, uh, which we played. Oh, uh, Edge of Sundown, World War Cthulhu, Atomic Age Cthulhu, as well as work for Star Wars and the acclaimed Judeo Mythos Weird West mashup, uh, Merkab Rider. So, uh, this has been uh, Role Playing Public Radio uh, interview for Mech West. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. No yeah. All right.